You having any really weird dreams lately, Django? No, but uh, my sleep app did catch Erica humming a song in her sleep. Wow. And it's let me let me see if I can find it. It's it's pretty amazing. Um, I think you'll you'll probably recognize what I think she was trying to hum. It's Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's totally Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's like I, if you would ask me the day before that, I would have told you maybe she knows the theme song to Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting because last night my sister sent me a video of my nephew and his like cape dancing. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, do you want to sing the Superman song? And she's like, what's the Superman song? And I was sitting there with Sean and I listened to it and he goes... <laughs> it's the first it's three notes of the main melody of the superman like christopher reeves john right. williams thing <clears throat> my sister didn't realize that she's like let's ask on jeffrey there's a superman song but somehow my nephew knew that song and that's crazy no no way i can think of that unless like daycare sees it or something but right john i was like does that sound like john was like i thought the exact same thing Hang on, my mouth is dry. Hey, Mike, are, are these things still on? Wow, that's really good because like we're out. That? Yeah, it's a weird that we always record this podcast around fireflies and chirpables. Yeah, yeah. Chirp, chirp, chirpers, chirpers. Um, I ask if these things are still on because Django. I think that we're. I think that I think we're welcoming in the guests to a perfectly acceptable podcast episode two hundred and ninety-seven, hosted by. Oh. The- Sponsored by the comic, sponsored by the comics place. Presented. We're gonna have to do that ad read. Shit. Okay. Shit. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wherever we read a bunch of comic books, except for the last three weeks, because we just took our annual three-week hiatus vacation, and oh. Django and I have some fun camp stories to share with you guys. I'm just so refreshed. You. Look, I feel like a sprite. You look ch- cherub-like. Cherub-like. Yeah, if you Cherubian. were wearing that shirt, you could be we'd be able to tell your little Cupid bows under there and your because My Django Moon gut. Moon, yeah, he's a fat little he's a fat little Cupid boy. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, it's a comic book podcast where every week we gather to talk about all the comics. We went on hiatus. We're back now, feeling refreshed. I've just realized that I did all of that twice, and that's why you listen to Jeff Figley, reporter, intrepid reporter gathering news stories and me Django Boren listening to Jeff's news stories and providing the wittiest commentary oh wow wow I just sort of like ran through the idea of like a mystery science theater 3000 version of people watching the news oh. and then how like you know probably insensitive that would just be the whole time <laughs> <laughs> like they don't show good shit on the news <laughs> yeah. you know you're definitely gonna be making fun of somebody who's a victim <laughs> if you are providing commentary well, that kid's going to have a hard rest of his short life. I got those kind of jokes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, he's going to have a hard time because he lost his shins. He's going to have a short life. That was good. Um, 
Django, we talk about comics on this podcast. We usually answer an email from mm-hmm. a beautiful William Elmer. Yeah. He is not uh he hasn't sent us an email. I don't know if he knew wow. that we were starting right now. Should I Maybe should I ping him? I'm gonna call him right now. Django. Oh, good call. That's what we do on this podcast. Good idea. I think that's that's a really good plan. <laughs> yeah. I gotta find that number. Um, there's never enough good grottos to go around. That's true. I have to question about the grotto. Okay. I mean, I mean, so in the theoretical world, you know, like we all we all use the term there's not enough good grottos to go around. Um, are they referring to like sea dens? I think that that is a type of grotto, right? I always imagined that a grotto could also be a gazebo, but that might just be like 12-year-old Django oh. being confused. There's never think, enough I good ones. Right. Exactly. Like you always want to like take your your smooch partner over to the grotto right alone just the two of you and there's always people i thought man yeah got in the way of my proposals uh i'm gonna i'm gonna give will a call yeah yeah it's a natural or artificial cage cave wow you know what it makes me think of what's that hello hey just a second (laughs) (laughs) man i've really fucked this up hey will back Hello, Jeffrey. Hey, Will. It's the Perfectly Accessible Podcast. We're recording an episode for 297, and I couldn't help but notice there was... Uh, <laughs> you didn't get the memo. Oh, hell yeah. Hello, Perfectly Acceptable Podcast. I almost forgot you guys existed. We did, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you guys still do that? <laughs> That's a thing? Oh, my goodness. Do you still make these things? I'm so embarrassed. So, do you have anything to, to tell the listeners? You can't hear Django, but he's saying funny things as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well... I guess, I guess. Um, let me think here for a second. I just uh, want you to know that for the scores that I've pre-written down for our books that we're going to be discussing, because I will remind everyone that this is a comic book podcast, I've rated them down to the hundredth decimal. Oh! I like that. Yeah. Are you guys going to be doing only the like three books that came out this last week, or are you going to do the like six books that came out over the last three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Django's also laughing. Um, and also kind of a low blow because <laughs> we can't help that. We're a good comic shop. <laughs> I have one book from previous weeks on here because I wanted to keep it tight and topical. You know me. Keep it tight like a tiger, my friend. Was that your big question? No. I would hope I, not. Welcome to 2023. No, there was a question. Yeah. Like, I've already, like, yelled at you guys about scalps, like, several oh. times in the last week or two. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's probably something about... Um, you know, how I got completely swept away in reading Skelp over the last two weeks, and also Andrew being completely frustrated that I still haven't read Hickman's Fantastic Four and chose to read Skelp. Skelp so maybe, you. you know, maybe what's the best thing that you read when you weren't supposed to be reading it? Like somebody was trying to get you to read something else mm-hmm. and you did that thing where you're like, this thing instead and got completely swept away because that's what happened. Um, when you guys came over and were like, you you need to stop what you're doing and read Scalped. And, and I did. And, um, um, I kept those books down for like, you know, a week and a half straight. Okay. Well, that's a great question, Will. Thank you for uh, asking it. We love you. Django, do you want to say anything to Will? Hi, Will. Oh, no, can't hear you. Um, <laughs> all right. Will, thank you so much. That he said, like, you know, what would happen if you put DC characters into the Scalps universe um, and then did, like, a big crossover event? Um, who would be the good guy and who would be the bad guy? That... Sam Bradley versus Lex Luthor. That's, that's, you didn't hear Django. Okay, sorry. All right, well, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye, buddy. All right. What a good guy. What a good kid, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's older than us, isn't he? Um, I think he's I don't 40, think... 49. 
Okay, I sure right? don't think right? he wants to be aged on the podcast, <laughs> and I don't think that that's correct either. So is your in game here to be <laughs> is to like be trying to convince people that he's older than he is? Well, I mean, we know how old Roman is. I think we need to know how old Will is. So Will's 49 and Roman's 36. Yeah. Can you imagine listening to a podcast because you wanted to hear about comics and being at this point in this podcast? Well, we have that question from Will. So, yeah. Well, what was the question? Uh, what is something that you read when you were supposed to be reading something else? So in my mind, like we have these giant stacks that all the wonderful people that come into our comic shop are like, you got to read this thing if you work at a comic shop. So I have a tremendous amount of guilt about the amount of things that I have pressured on me to read. And the way that I uh, read something else is nonfiction books um, or long runs of things from the past. For me, I would say uh, the thing that I read when I'm supposed to be reading something else is 15 to 30 comics every single week. When I should be reading things like how to file your taxes yeah, or how, how to find a primary care doctor. Invest any money as an adult so that you <laughs> won't be totally screwed when you're 36. Yeah, how to sign into Hulu so that you get the free HBO from your AT&T account or whatever. Like, it, yeah, uh, it's comics. It's weekly comics is what I'm reading when I should be reading anything else. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. So Django, in kind of response to Will's inquiry previously, the the, the old phone call, um, we've got a number of books that we could be talking about, but I mostly have stuff from this week, even though there weren't many books this week. It was a very small week for comic shops if you got all of your comics and I just want to tell everyone that we haven't been getting our Marvel books for like three weeks because Penguin Random House hates us. Yeah, they they are real turds in the punch the, bowl. The, well, they're treating us like like some sort of, uh, you know, cyst or something, it feels like. <laughs> Yeah, and and I told him the other day. I told him it doesn't matter how hard you try and relieve the pressure. Eventually, this thing's gonna pop, and it's gonna taste like lamb when it does. <laughs> yeah, I, that like, is they how just it goes. don't believe me. No, no, they don't care, Django. But that's the life of a comic book retailer. And one day we will get all those books. So thank you for patience on that. And we're gonna have this amazing month long uh Mar marvel week it's gonna be insane we'll have to do a whole separate podcast about it but yeah. in the meantime Django, <laughs> i'm sure that we both read deathgasm number one right sure didn't <laughs> oh really did you yeah i read deathgasm it's, it's number based one. on a movie right i wouldn't know i the sean said it was based on a movie i think tell me about it well Django. but but make orgasm sounds while you do <laughs> this book is great this book is good <laughs> high fives for all of us <laughs> i'm really loving this book <laughs> <laughs> that's what they sound like right uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> um so this book is about a band of people who drive around in a van and play heavy <clears throat> metal shows to places where there are lots of like zombies or werewolves or ghouls and then they murder all of them in the name of rock and roll and the defense of humanity and want the lead singer's best friend died a while ago. So they've only ever written songs about his best friends in hell. And there's 30 of those songs. <laughs> and he isn't open to hearing other suggestions. I'm going to spoil something right now. Two of the band members die in this. Um, they smoke weeds. They smoke weeds, like bong uh -huh. weeds. Um, they play a music festival. They end up having to fight like a whole festivals worth of shape-shifting cannibal aliens 
Um, it sounds like a pretty good comic already. It's one issue. Yeah. So, you know, that's it's just a series of strange things that happen. And you're along for the ride. If any of that stuff sounded good to you, I think you're going to like this one, Jing. I can't believe you didn't read Opus Comics's Deathgasm number one by Jason Lee Howden and Pete Bune. I'm not sure why I didn't bring it home. I like the title and I like the uh, the cover. I think the title is referring to some sort of death-inducing orgasm or orgasm-inducing state of death. or Like when Barbie sees just the right pink Ferrari. Oh my god. What a sound. <laughs> what a sound. <laughs> it's like being around uh, Havoc, you know? Yeah. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Uh, that's just a thing that he does. Django, you know what I'm going to give this if I'm going out to the thousandth, hundredth, thousandth, hundredth. Hundredth? Yeah. Uh, you're going to give it a 7.79. No, I'm giving give it a 6.66, baby. Oh, dang. I really beefed that, didn't <laughs> yeah, I? Yeah, <laughs> you sure did. Man, it's going to taste like lamb. A, that was going to be a set him up and knock him down situation right yeah. there. You know, next time. Next time. Uh, next well, time. what's something that you're sure that I read that I you probably um, kind of knew I didn't? I'm confident you read Parker Girls, number four. I didn't. No, really? Tell me about Parker Girls, number four. This comic, this comic is so good. No. It opens with two of the Parker Girls looking at a a, uh, body in the morgue. And it's the, the body of the woman who died an issue or two ago. And the coroner only wants to show them little bits, like lift up the sheet a little bit to show them parts. And one of the women just rips the sheet off and we get a really grisly picture of this bloated seawater logged dead body. Pulls that shit to the floor. Just whoosh. Whoosh. Get that shits off her. Shits is a good uh, sound (laughs) effect. I'm surprised it doesn't get used more. Shits. Um, Yes. The, the, you know, again, Terry Moore just does perfect body language has in, in this series. I think he's, he's doing some really gruesome shit. Um, there's like <laughs> some, some brains being, being taken out with uh, high heels. Oh my God. That is gruesome shit. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. And every single, at the end of every single issue, I want to read the next part. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I would say I'm astounded. You didn't read this already. I and, haven't read uh, since issue two. Well, you're two whole issues behind. Yeah. Um, and it's going to get a 9.50 from me. Oh, going after the hundreds too. wow. That's a good score. Damn. <clears throat> That's some brutal shits right there. It is brutal. Okay. Well, in the name of brutal, do you want to talk about a book? I know our listeners are dying to hear us talk about. Yeah. AWA's Trojan number one written by Daniel Krauss, art by Lacey and Marco Lesko on colors. Dude. Yes. Tell me. Jeff. Okay. Why are red rooms in every other comic this year? I think I'll take it one step further because I I agree entirely. I think red rooms vary in vogue over the last like two years or so. (laughs) But I would say if you go back like six years, we're very into the dark web and, and red rooms are just kind of a concrete extension of that. And I was thinking kind of a similar question, which is like, why is, what is it about these things? And I think it's kind of like the perfect black box you know, mm-hmm. like in terms of fiction, because like most most readers don't know much about it other than kind of what it is in theory. Dark web is a place where you can the secret underground of the, the Internet. So I think, you know, that sort of easy storytelling devices used 
because it can easily invoke the idea of myth and imagination. And I think red rooms are a really logical extension of that. I, but I don't know <laughs> what, I guess the people always, um, the people always want, you know, something that's just, um, <laughs> you know, just outside of reach, like just outside of the visible view, like Nancy Reagan's ass, you know? Sure. Sure. Like, like some, something you, you, it's so close. But never, no cigar. And never accessible. And I think, you know, the cigar was the next administration, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Freud's. Um, and uh, yeah, so this, I think this just does that really, really well. Uh, well, does it think, do I think it does it well? I don't know. Django, that was sort of what I feel like in response to your question. We buried the lead here. There is like, uh, this book is more than just that. Yeah, it's. It's a, I think, a really well done kind of slow burn character study about a woman who sort of blackmails this dude into helping her get on the dark web and find some some super bizarro snuff film stuff. Um, and they're <laughs> in a world that is super like it's super uh, techy, but then also it has fairies in it, right? And uh, the the big twist at the end I should have seen coming but I didn't it's that she is one of them and and probably valuable to to be tortured on film and uh, I thought it was a a really cool setup and some of the techie stuff where he's like giving her a rundown on the specific uh, order that he has to visit some weird websites in order to be allowed to get into the really pervy websites I thought that was uh, a pretty interesting little tech trick that they showed us. Uh, and then those captures that are like a grid of, of three by three. He's like, Oh yeah. Once you visit these sites in this specific order, then you press the captcha buttons as if it's a phone pad and, and you, you enter a pin. Um, just, just some cool in, innovative uh, trickery in there. Made me want to start a secret society on the web, but not like snuff films and shit. Yeah. Right. Not <laughs> snuff films and shit. Yeah. I, I think you described it. Well, I, I, it seemed a little lurid at times for the sake of being a little lurid, but that's fine, you know, because like we're talking about snuff films and shit. So, um, but uh, we have the art was serviceable. I don't know. These AWA books are generally all better than I think they're going to be. And I thought this one was pretty good. I, I particularly like this the balance of the idea of this the sort of Feywild folks in the real life world and then being mm -hmm. kind of hidden and on the run. And then that's a whole sort of premise unto itself. And then kind of then combining this world of like snuff films and hidden internet stuff and like needing to make money rapidly. It's, it's a marriage of two interesting things. So I, I, I do think yeah. WA, you do it good. Yeah. Every, everything these days seems like this, but with that. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. this is a combination that I never really saw coming. Okay. So yeah, I agree. Like everything nowadays is kind of this combined with that. Do you think there was a time where that wasn't the case? Um, yeah, like before we had done every single type of movie you can imagine that was one genre, you know, like think about think about like the heyday of Western movies. It's just a bunch of movies about the Wild West. Mm -hmm. And then it took until like the 70s before they started really getting like sci fi to go along with the shoot 'em ups, mm -hmm. uh, like with Westworld and stuff like that. Yeah, I kind of feel like everything, whether it's music or movies or books or whatever, you know, like at the earliest I always think of it as like kind of streams going downwards that branch off more and more as they go. And at the beginning, you know, if it was like we're talking genre films, you got like Western and you got like romance and mm -hmm. you got like crime. <laughs> and 
you know, at some point, somebody was like, I want to make a space Western, right? These yeah. All these like basic, but like, that's what music is as well. Like Nirvana was mm-hmm. like, I want to do Black Sabbath and the Beatles together. Right. Um, and it's like, well, it had never sounded before, but I'm sure Black Sabbath was just doing something in something like it's just a combination sure. of like, it is innovation always just, you know, the combination of previous reference points. I mean, I almost feel like music and stories are very different in that regard Mm -hmm. right like music is something that you can kind of come up with two influences you want to put together and sort of do it in line almost Mm -hmm. right and a and a story especially one that turns into a movie has a lot of steps along the way that you have to clear before you get this movie released right so like sitting down and being like oh i'm gonna try to do a beatles song in the style of a bollywood song Mm -hmm. that's not unchallenging but all the parts are there and and you can you can kind of sit down and probably pick your way through it in a in a day or two right yeah i guess i mean kind of like the point of inspiration from the person Mm -hmm. um so like i agree with what you said about you know a movie because that's all those steps to like getting it made but i'm kind of talking about the point before that which is like aren't, aren't like the creative endeavors you know like the idea to come create something new right if that's the mm-hmm. goal then and, and sometimes it feels forced you know like sometimes it feels like you're you're just i don't know like that albacore had clearly been in the sun for a while before being used right yeah, yeah. and before we, that yeah, yeah before that like other stuff is just like oh yeah this is going down real smooth that metaphor is perfect i admit you know the, the conversation comes from, a, I remember being in jazz band in high school, my band instructor being like, can anybody try and think about combining two genres of music that haven't ever been combined before? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a hard thing to do. So uh, yeah. that experience always stuck with me. I think that Trojan gets a 7.28 from me. Nice. I gave it an 8.0. Uh, a lot of it for the inventiveness, but also the art's pretty solid. Yeah, and totally. The, the story it's... was engaging. Yeah. But you said 7. Two eight. Two eight. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Which is nice. Um, where are you taking <clears throat> okay. me next? All right. I want to take you somewhere that I know you've been. Oh, okay. I just want to I want to roll around in the muck of uh Matt Kent's Spy oh, Superb number one. Which I have that. If you ask me, has one of the least appealing cover A's I've ever seen. Are you talking uh, about the paper bag or the cover beneath it? No, the paper bag. It just looks like a Trader Joe's bag sitting on your table. So that's uh, not, with... I mean, like the cover behind it that is also printed as a cover was yeah. what was solicited. Yeah. And and I think that that, which is like a close up on a, on half of a dude's face with sunglasses and a scripty font that says Spy Superb. I think that's more likely to jump off the shelf for my money. Um. Um. Yes. I agree with that. The last couple of books that Matt Kent has done, he's been using like the actual back and front of the cover as like story elements or meta world things. Mm -hmm. And I have not because I brought mine back because we didn't have a ton of them. Uh, I did. I don't remember identifying a key that that sort of Trader Joe's bag. It has a receipt for the person that gets poisoned in it. Okay. Okay. Uh, Which... Once I finished the book and got to the back, I was like, that's very clever. Um, and it looks like maybe also some sort of code. Yeah, that's what I saw. I just didn't make sense of the numbers <clears throat> that were on there. It's like bananas, peanut butter, shellfish, cashews, strawberries, all things that somebody might be allergic to. Oh. Which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, um, so outside tell, of tell that. Tell us about it. 
Well, yeah, I just love the initial premise of this book. The first, so like Matt Kent has been kind of keen, weaving this sort of connected world through his last several series. None of them like directly mm-hmm. related to each other, but kind of referencing one another. Um, and in this one, the first like 10 or so pages were kind of in this sort of like beautiful crap art. No, that's the most horrible thing in the entire world to say. I don't mean that, but like Matt Kent <laughs> right and does the art in this. And it's like a sketchier, chunkier Jeff Lemire. Yeah. Um, and and I think he does that super in his favor within this. Like, I think he yep. uses the art really, really well, but it is um, objectively not incredibly like detailed and i i think if you l- introduce this book to a lot of people who don't know a ton about like sequential storytelling and like panel to panel storytelling um they might just think it doesn't look that good anyway uh in the first like 10 or so pages using that art we're introduced to the situation where there's a dead body and it's found and we're kind of taught that like the government has been secretly spreading keeping alive this rumor that there is this spy superb this amazing spy who was funded by the government who you like he's he's almost the like john wick of espionage or something and uh but what we learn is that actually very early on in that person's career he died and they've been kind of just tricking people into doing these clandestine missions that they didn't even know that they were on like transporting things certain ways and keeping the idea within other countries that there's this spy out there doing all of these incredible things and that's kind of the premise of this story and now we are introduced to this like just kind of oblivious a little obnoxious <laughs> like smells his own farts um writer guy who the last vice verb got killed accidentally again and this guy you know like the government needs to trick him into doing this thing which involves getting a cell phone to somebody and he messes that up and it's funny and intelligent at the same time and i think yeah. that those two things can be hard to be combined well yeah, and like you were saying with the art, this is like I've I've enjoyed most of the Matt Kent art that I've read. There there have been maybe a couple times where I was like, oh, this doesn't fit the story that I think I'm reading. But this is probably the best use of his art that I've seen. And like you were saying, the storytelling in this is there's some extra stuff going on that I I think you wouldn't necessarily catch on uh, like a first blush or if, if you were reading this in your first couple months of starting to read comics right uh, i think you would you would get a lot more out of the the layout and like the the way some of these panels get split um yeah in interesting ways and the splash page with the dead guy in the in the trunk is just like holy shit good dude um, that splash page the, the yeah the angle of it is incredible it's fantastic i i think that yeah that kind of blew me away i i tried to read mind management the original series a long time ago and never got too far kind of because of the art but he's evokes that same style now but it's really advanced as well i I, it's much more like jeff lemire at this point than than what it used to feel like which used to feel like sort of separated by a large chasm uh well what what would you uh give this one 9.42 nine four two that's yeah. that's a pretty good that's a pretty good score it's a pretty good score um i am gonna give it uh 9.50 i'm also going to the hundreds just like you 9.50 wow that's a pretty high score as well it's a good gosh darn comic it is you know django i gotta oh. turn my heat down in this room and get a little bit more wine all right i guess i'll just sit here and talk then Listener, a thing that Jeff and I are doing in this episode is we each send each other three different phrases 
uh, and we're sending them, we, we wrote three different phrases each, and we're just texting them to each other throughout the episode. So uh, see if you can pick out which phrases we're sending each other uh, as kind of a, a thing that we're supposed to work into a sentence. Uh, if this episode has felt a little bit erratic, more erratic than erotic uh, than usual, uh, that, that might be why. Uh, maybe this is a new thing that we're doing in the, in the new year. We're looking forward to finding out if it made any sense and uh, if you guys thought that it was uh, something we should continue. So see if you can find it. It's it's a total of six phrases throughout this episode that uh, Jeff and I sent to each other to be used and, and attempted to be worked into uh, conversation in a natural way. Uh, I guess normally I would be using this time to chant, but I think Jeff's on his way back already. So I'm going to pretend that I've been chanting Thank this you. whole time sticking instead to invective and personal crap that had nothing to do with the substantive problems of running a government which oh, is all true as you know if you follow the speeches and i think that andrew of- might be in the basement of my house right now andrew only oh. you will know at this moment if you are in my basement right now hmm. that's i that's will know soon yeah yeah dude i haven't been packing around spice superb so like i didn't have that in my list of books that i read and my scores and everything so i'm so glad that you remembered to bring that <laughs> up because i had forgotten entirely about it and it was my favorite One book of-, of the week yeah, one of the best comics out this week, I think. One of the best comics out in the last few weeks. Like, we took three weeks off. We didn't get any Marvel books because of Penguin Snafu coming soon. But out of everything I read in the last couple of weeks, that was definitely top, top, top tier. Can I talk to you about a book that came out in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah. what is it? Django, I have to talk about this only because it seems like an important book. And I have not heard a single person online or in person talk about it. Okay. Not a single person. Did you read Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number seven? I did. The end of this event leading into this like. I did. And I liked it, but I don't remember anything thing. about it. It was like two or three weeks ago. This is old news yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Um. Well, Dark Crisis ended. And, you know, I'm sure. So DC's kind of main event model lately kind of started by metal. It seems like was to have these events that do cross over and other things, but particularly have a lot of one shots that come off out of them. So there was all the worlds without a justice league one shots that came out, but mm-hmm. then there were some recently that were like the flash and like dark war. And um, I didn't read all of those because after you read enough of them, you start being like, I don't know, I'm going right. to, I'm going to skip some, <laughs> but so I'm sure it's further explained somewhere in a you know intelligent manner but basically uh black adam like shows up and punches the deathstroke bad guy and uses like says shazam maybe oh yeah he he gets close enough to him and says shazam that and and the shazam power knocks the darkness out of deathstroke and somehow brought everybody back and turned everybody into shazams right yeah like briefly and and the shazam looks like a like the rock yeah in one panel Yep, yep. That's very um, meta. You go, DC. Yeah, you guys go. I would say, say, I would say the. So I'm sure that that is explained in a satisfying way somewhere, but it was not mm-hmm. explained in a satisfying way here. Um, so I guess it, in kind of classically DC event fashion, things get wrapped up kind of quickly um, for an event that felt a little ham fisted all the way through, but also like kind of classically superheroes. So I don't know. I think Joshua Williamson's getting better. I don't. I don't think this is like the best event in the last number of years by a long shot but there are always cool kernels of ideas in a joshua williamson book and i do like some of the foreboding stuff that happens at the end of this uh there's the amanda waller like being tasked to kill metahumans epilogue um with the like 
kind of like Superman, Batman mm. fear character, and mm-hmm. which I think is a pretty great character design. <clears throat> uh, there's a great moment between. I also like the other big thing is that like Nightwing is able to hold the entire like light of creation inside of himself temporarily while the world's getting knitted back together by the flashes. And he's the only one that could have done it because he's like so much positivity in everyone's life, which I like a Dick Grayson story. Do you think that he was supposed to look like uh, Dr. Manhattan over and over? I got got real Dr. Manhattan vibes um when he was like hovering there with his arms out and it's like it's not just dr manhattan who strikes those poses but i kept thinking about that guy yeah because it's also like blue that's a great point i didn't think about that but i'd be hard for that to not be something that cropped up in their head as they were doing it yeah um seriously um but but uh yeah um still fun pretty good yeah i i i liked it and you think it has the repercussions that we want from it? I think it did a, just a very good blank slate job of being like, our multiverse is the multiverse. It's kind of a battery for the entire, mm-hmm. you know, infinity verse beyond it. Um, so it's, it kind of does that same thing, that, almost like metaphorically or, you know, parallelly of what they did with like kind of our Earth being Earth Prime in the multiverse, in like the 70s or whatever, mm-hmm. like you know like there was this one more important one that was that's kind of what they're doing with our multiverse and a world of infinite multiverses now yeah um and they did things like apparently dark side got out of a pot or is back on apocalypse and like apparently Mm -hmm. or you know green lantern green arrow's gone you know just like wave of the hand type things um but i don't have any problem with that because it's comic books and i think if we're looking for way more than that you're in the wrong spot as long as you make it interesting along the way which i think josh williamson is developing as a writer and getting better at doing did you feel like it was something that belonged on the happy hour menu of a shets or something or like something Um, uh, cut above no 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 i i think that it's one of those few items that straddles the happy hour menu and the main menu okay and it's maybe a discounted price during happy hour but it's like it's a good enough thing that you'd want it at happy hour but you also might get it as an appetizer at dinner you know Yeah, yeah yeah and and also uh it's not like a half size version at happy hour it's a full no, size exactly. at a discount yeah yeah i get it shets doesn't do that to you that's one of the great things about shets in shets louisiana so uh what do you give this book uh i would give it a 7.69 what would you give it i think i would give it a 7.00 yeah 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 uh, that sounds that sounds right to me it was about as close to sticking the landing that i think dc has come for me in a long long time yeah you yeah, know like say, like yeah metal didn't wrap up in a way i cared about Death metal didn't. Death really... metal sure didn't do that, and I was pretty sure that this wasn't going to, but it it pulled it out. You sure pulled it out. Doomsday Clock did a pretty good job, I would say. Batman Three yeah. Jokers, I think, also landed it. I'm gonna yeah. close this door. Okay, um, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff is standing up and closing his door. Now he's walking in front of his guitars again and sitting next to his box. <laughs> Not trying to make my girlfriend listen to this podcast while you, we record it. You play guitar? Oh, I play hella guitar, man. I got to send you a picture of this guitar. I really want to buy I got a lot more than three, Django. (laughs) I need to be talked down from buying this next one. Okay, let's talk about another very good book in a similar vein. Batman number 131 by Chip Zdurker and an artist that is not Jorge Jimenez. In fact, it is Mike Hawthorne with Adriano D. Benedito Benedito on inks to Memorial Colors. Faster. (laughs) So, Um, yes. Batman's not in the Gotham we know anymore is what I gathered let's, from this. Let's work together to piece this, okay? 
Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to be doing I, it from memory because we didn't get, we got shorted half of our Batmans. Yeah. I, which is not in, all of our Marvels, but half of our Batman. Yeah. We got half of our Batmans, which is our highest selling book. So half of a Batman is still as much as any mainstream Marvel book, like an X-Men book or a Star <laughs> Wars book. Yeah. Um. So Django, I'm going to, um, okay, look, we wake up, scene fade in. Uh, yeah, yeah. We wake okay. up and we are in an alley that's no, I'm not going to do that. We got Batman waking up in an alley because at the end of the last one, he got fail safe blasted into not being on Earth anymore. Yep. Yep. A thing that happened in that issue, I don't remember the exactness of it, but like they instilled compassion in him, right? In, uh, or yeah, he in tried to save. compassion. Oh, yeah. So, so I, maybe he figured out a new, like a workaround to instead of killing him. So what I think he did is he like sentenced him off to somewhere, but he brought him to a world that doesn't have a Bruce Wayne or a Batman that is Gotham that needs to be saved. And that's mm-hmm. like the final line of this issue is, um, and I, it took me rereading the issue today. Um, he's like, there's no Batman and Bruce Wayne is dead. This is fail safe's compassion, his gift, a Gotham without Batman, a Gotham to save. So we're kind of like Batman taken to like a purgatory place, which is like a Gotham to be saved while he's no longer in a place where he can be hurting Gotham because it fail safe yeah. happens because you murdered. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. And I like I like that uh, fail safe could come up with that workaround so quickly because they put that program in him not too long before he quote unquote killed Batman. Right. Yeah. 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 That was like their last ditch effort to stop him from killing him. Yeah. And I thought that there was some really inventive stuff in this issue. Uh, I like that chip uh, Zdarsky was drawn into it as a helpless dude getting beat up. And uh, I like that there's a, like a commissioner Gordon skeleton with a mustache. Who's kind of haunting Bruce. Uh, I thought that was a fun little bit. Yep. And, yeah, uh, I like yeah. both of those things. I I like this Two Face with Venom character. I like the mm-hmm. like Selena's a mob boss type character. I think they write that well. And the backup, as Jenga pointed out in the shop, is like a second Tim Drake story where he's the only one convinced that Batman's still alive somewhere and is working hard to find him. Yeah, <laughs> when he got sent back in time. So that's amusing. That's gonna bite Tim in the ass one of these days. Somebody needs to. He's gonna nice ass. Actually, kill Batman, and Tim's just gonna spend the rest of his life looking for him, thinking he's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think the backup's good. I want to say that I'm really happy with the state of Tim Drake in the world right now. His costume yeah. looks great. He's in this backup and has been a kind of key part of this Chip Zdarsky run. Mm-hmm. He's got his own series coming out right now. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing a costume that is mostly like my favorite costume of any Robin ever. He's they're got the right R on his chest. Yeah, they're not that doing that. Is a big deal. Drake thing anymore where he's like brown and like I don't know, like bird themed. Yeah. Duck themed. Um, so happy about that. So Django. So uh, Bruce was taken to this world and it's like, is it an illusion? Is it a real place? Did Phil save create a program that he's in or something? Because like there's characters happening outside of Bruce being around them, which mm-hmm. is like implies that there's some objectivity to this world. Right. Right. Like, and I do like this red mask character that we're introduced to. He's yeah, he's seems sadistic. And he's probably this world's Bruce Wayne or the Joker. He reminds me of the Mark Millar property Nemesis, which was basically yeah. what if Bruce Wayne became the Joker. I huh. Character design's good. I think it's got to be a real place. Yeah. Yeah, because Bruce is dis- but like Batman got disappeared at the end of the last issue, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. So I think he. If he's hooked up to some machines somewhere, I think that's not nearly as interesting. I agree. 
plus, you know, there's like three or four new characters in this book, so they're going to have to figure out a way to bring one Milk or two that. of them over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the, the girl's name? Uh, oh, like, like she rescues him. Or Jade or Opal Maybe. or something. I I like that uh, interaction that Bruce had with her. Yeah, she's cool. She's a she's um, a cool new character. And again, I really like the Selena in this. Yeah. Um. Sorry, bud. Yeah. Let me look this up. Let me waste everyone's time. <laughs> well, I I think uh, Chip Zdarsky has done it again, and uh, I just want him to keep on doing it. I want to keep watching Chip do it. Jewel is her name. Jewel. Um. Yeah. It's the best Batman comics have been in a number of years, like since Tom King in my mind. So I, I am loving it. And it's very different from the Tom King one. It, it scratch a wonderful itch um, is a relief from the, the itch that Tom King was scratching in my sweet, sweet body. Jesus, bud, that's a that, you said a mouthful there. Yeah, it was a mouthful. A mouthful of Tom King's body. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, what, what would you 9. give it? 9.34, just a hair less here. than Spy Superb. Uh, I'm going to give it a 9.00, carrying it out to the hundredths. So, Django. Yeah. What do you got? (laughs) So, I only just realized this joke. um, What's that? But you're carrying it out to the hundredth, but just doing scores within the tenths. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Sorry if I wasn't clear about that before. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, it's a really, it's a pretty good joke. It's a pretty good joke. Yeah. Uh, did, Did you read Dark Knights of Steel number nine? I did. Yeah, I did, but I don't have it here with me. Uh, well, we learn a few things in this. We yes. get more of the battle, and we learn that uh, the Supergirl character um, was not who we thought she was this whole time. No, which explains why right. she was being kind of a b-hole, like a yeah, like an un like an unproperly cleaned booty hole. Just and and it, she didn't make sense, right? Like. No, yeah, no, I, I was I've been confused about her characterization this whole time. A booty that did not pass the smell test, Django. Uh, the smell test is important in uh, in everything you do. Yeah, man. It's all about everything. how that thing smells after a few days. Yep. Yep. You are 100 percent correct. I know um, it. And then an amazing reveal on the last page that I don't really want to ruin for people. But I don't uh, want to ruin that reveal. But I do want to talk about how Supergirl. I mean, you did you mention why she's been acting crazy? No, go for it. Well, she's a white Martian. Fuck yeah. Which I love as a reference because I first it was introduced to them in Grant Morrison's JLA run. Is that the I first think time everybody they were introduced? was? Okay. Yeah. So I love that shout out. They've been used a couple other times, obviously, but since then. Um, but I like them and yeah. they're very menacing. And I did, I like that it just really explained why Supergirl didn't pass the smell chest test. You know, she was acting yep. really like an unclean bee heened. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, and there's some nice Constantine stuff in here too. I don't care for the Joker in this as the Green Man. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know what the Green Man is either. I'm sure if I knew legend about what that is, that would be a thing or something. Yeah, I think there is a legend about him. It's just like if you're going to be playing with the DC universe, that could be uh, Green Lantern. It could be gr- the Green Hair of the Joker. It could be Swamp Thing. It could be Green Arrow. It, it could also be... do the Joker as a Yellow Lantern, which would be way more interesting. Yep. Or yep. Scarecrow. I guess they did that in Blackest Night. But Yeah. Yeah, it almost seemed like a misdirect that they wanted to have for the first couple of issues, and now they're stuck with it. Um, but also, I should just trust Tom Taylor a little bit more than casting those aspersions i should we do i will say that the last like three or four issues of this book 
have while still been being good like have felt like there's gotten further amount of time between each issue mm-hmm. and there hasn't been a lot of like meat on the bone as much as there was originally you know like you were getting yeah. all these cool characters and cool reveals on this awesome stuff and like what we learned about bruce as a relationship to you know superman and the parents and weaving this right. the last two or three issues have just been sort of like moving one piece on a chessboard or something it's as like opposed posturing to- instead of fighting for yeah. three issues in a row is how it felt to me. Yeah. yeah. And also I've been getting it confused with the DC versus vampires. Just and for deceased. no real reason. Yeah. I had to yeah, yeah, work yeah. hard to remember the title of this book when thinking about it. Cause it's not deceased war of the undead gods. All of that said, this issue I think is kind of a return to what we were saying in the early issues that we really, really liked. I would say even at its worst, it's been better than most books. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, I think at its worst, it's like a in the eight range. So, uh, so at its at its number ninth, what what would you say it is? I went eight point two three. Eight two three. I went. Uh, gosh, I hadn't thought about it that hard. I'm gonna say eight point five zero. Okay, I like that. Yeah, yeah, eight point five zero. Those are my favorite okay. bits that you've done in a while, Jane. <laughs> um. Django, I've only got one other thing to talk about before we get out of here, but it's not exactly a rave review. So do we talk about it or do we talk about something else? Well, let me let me um, tell you a couple of things that I read this. this oh, last please little bit. do. Yeah, um, I read Gotham City year one. Oh, four. Well, you know, I didn't read that. Are you still behind on that, dude? Still it, have never read a single issue of it. Oh, Jeff, it Who? just keeps getting better. Oh, man. It keeps getting better. It's this is this is the issue it's what it's a six issue series i think is what it's going to be oh okay six or twelve even more attainable i think it's six um i think it is six and one of the things i love about it is that like just the 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 rule in a crime noir story that you can decide to follow or not they are following it this guy has not slept since issue one i think and he's just awake Every time he tries to get some rest somebody knocks on his door or the cops beat him up or like whatever it is and and he gets his nose broken every few pages. Like this is this is following all the tropes and giving us a great, great, great mystery to to follow. And this is following Slam Bradley. Yeah, yeah, okay. Slam Bradley and maybe Bruce Wayne's um, great grandparents or something. But I almost get the feeling that this isn't meant to be canon, uh, like like so many Tom King things. Um, so for everyone, uh, the character Slam Bradley first appeared in 1937. Very old character, 37. lots of incarnations uh, since then. But there was a strong revival in 1981 in Detective Comics 500s, and mm-hmm. the story titled "Too Many Crooks Cape." Too many cooks caper. Um, he appeared later in Superman titles in the 1990s, working for the Metropolis Police Department. However, this incarnation of the character was short-lived when an older Slam Bradley later appeared in Detective Comics. It was explained that the Metropolis character was Slam Bradley Jr. In 2001, writer Ed Brubaker and artist Darwin Cook revived the character in the four-part serial tri- Trial of the Catwoman. That's the one that we're all familiar with. In this story, he investigates the death of Selena Kyle... Um, and the character appears in Darwin Cook's 2003-2004 The New Frontier as a private investigator and Heart of Hush and now he's appearing here and I think the reason that he's so tied to Batman often is that he was in Detective Comics number 27 in a backup story wasn't he? Yeah that was his first appearance yeah sorry I didn't mention what that issue was or maybe it was like Detective Comics 31 or something but very early yeah Um, so yeah I I think that this is a criminally good book when I that's a great pun for a character that it was sort of uh, critically used in an Ed Brubaker Catwoman story. Thanks, buddy. Because um, criminal. There's a lot going on there. If you, if you uh, yeah, parse it. a lot of musk under that 
Maiden's Tale. Oh Oof. gosh. Yikes. Um uh, I always associate the... <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like the various body parts that you could assign like the 1920s slang Maiden's Tale. Like, yeah, oh nothing. it's like it's when you step on a seashell and you have a flap of skin on your heel. That's the Maiden's <laughs> oh, Tale. Oh, <laughs> um so so dang okay i derailed myself by allowing myself to talk without thinking i apologize to our listeners i always associate the character with darwin cook i like that association he used him pretty heavily like they said Mm -hmm. there's two references in there um but i wanted to know what that was tied to exactly so that was why i went that deep dive there so anyway it's tom king writing a character associated with darwin cook in a book that everyone i know loves like can't wait to read it but i think if it's six issues long and four have come out i'm just that's just i'm i'm waiting i'm waiting for the long haul and i'm just gonna do it and i'm gonna sit down and read the whole thing and i'm gonna tell you how it goes nice yeah i'm i'm curious how this reads all in one i'm gonna Um, read it in one day i'm gonna give it a 9.00 uh did you read the riddler number two no i fucking i fudging forgot that even came out it's pretty good man oh man i liked the first one but i think i liked it and then kind of categorized it in my brain as a book that I liked for uh, actor writing a comic book comic. It's better and, than that. And yeah, I think that I forgot to then translate that laterally to say where does it fall in terms of just being a good comic outside of yeah. being a good actor comic. I don't want to give it a score or anything. I just wanted to say hi to it. Uh, and and one other that I read this week was The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, number four. And I read it. I was it. hoping you were going to talk about this. I read it because there's been a big brouhaha uh-huh, on the internet. Uh-huh. Uh, because the Joker, there, there's one page where the Joker looks pregnant and Gaggy the Clown says, I think you're pregnant. And then the Joker has a baby. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of the, the narrative. Does that sound like what, you, what you've heard? That's more than I've heard. I've seen stupid Reddit posts. Okay. It's not what's happening at all. And and there's a part in the so that's in the backup story by Frank Francisco Francavilla doing the art. And then okay, in, in like the Frank main Avia, but... part of the story, uh Carmine Di Gian Domenico is drawing it, and the Joker is like running through a hospital and uh you know, trying to get away from the red hood and the SWAT team and everything. And at one point he ends up in a room full of kids. I'm assuming with cancer, it's like it's like 10 bald kids in hospital gowns. And the Joker mentions how these comic books in the room are misrepresenting his life. And he references some of the other backup stories from this series. So he's like, hey, is that me and Power Girl at my funeral? Like he's he's pissed about that. And then they show the page of the comic that he's looking at. And I think what Rosenberg is saying here is that this Joker thinks that he's Superman because the comic is all Superman and he shows it to this kid. And he's like, are you trying to tell me that's not me? You silly little bastard. And okay. so like, I think the Joker is so unhinged. He thinks he's Superman. And then the backup stories that we've been reading, I think are supposed to be comic books in the world. Huh. That's how I'm reading it. Anyway. Does Superman ever give birth to somebody? I don't know, man. I'm going to look it up. Also, the Joker doesn't give birth to him. Zatanna made him eat dirty mud and told him that no one else would ever have his baby. And I think that the dirty mud got some sort of enchantment. And then the Joker doesn't have a baby. The Joker throws up mud and it turns into his little weird clay face style clone. Like it's so much more fucked up than the Joker having a baby out of his vagina, you know? Yeah. I don't don't know. know. Can we say vagina on this podcast? Or is this like, uh, I can talk to the censors. 
I mean, we'll have to okay. delay the episode a couple of days. We'll have to talk to the censors. Uh, they waited three weeks for this one. Yeah, this exactly. Glorious. And we, and we really delivered it this time. <laughs> I said delivered and you said crowning. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty good stuff, um, which is nice stuff. Which is nice. Um, I think my biggest problem with this series is just that I don't quite know what's going on. And I think that's the point, but I'm not enjoying that part of it. Feels like that's kind. I wouldn't want to say a trope, but that's kind of like if you get it. If you're reading a Joker story, there's a good chance you're going to get that kind of chaotic narrator vibe. Yeah, um, yeah, which can be a little not nice. <laughs> which is not nice. <laughs> Y'all been to Regal Cinemas lately? <laughs> um, you should go support your local theater or the Pickford. So, what was the one that you wanted to talk about so bad? Was it? Mostly, I didn't want to talk about it so bad. I actually felt kind of bad about it. I gave it a 6.64. I didn't particularly care for the character design. I do really like um, the writer, uh, Rob Guillory, who did the art mm-hmm. in Chew and then wrote and did the art in Farmhand. Want to support the guy. Um, but again, it feels very in the same way that there's a lot of Red Room comics going on right now. There's also a lot of like humans versus robots or like ro- robot technology advancing too quick or like mm-hmm. people resenting robots and their relationship with robots. And uh, if you know me, you know, that's one of my most tired, played out subjects that like just I, I grew up in a home that was just raised with a lot of sci fi. And that was a thing that was in a lot of 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s sci fi. And it's just not an interesting story to me. This one takes kind of a superhero twist where he kind of becomes like a Thor at the end. who has got a big yeah. hammer and he has to go kill all these robots. But I didn't particularly like the art or the character design. Um, I didn't really like the futuristic language that they were speaking. There was like this little toddler accompanied by robots and a floating ball. Like it looked like a baby, like a Scotty Young Cyclops. I like that kid. Yeah, I bet you did. You like well-written kids. And I can't exactly say that's well-written or not because I've never had a kid. <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting that Rob Guillory, like what he's, he's, he's done two books. He's written two books since uh, Chew wrapped up. Yeah, farmhand and this one, I think. This and farmhand, and and both of them have really heavy like father child situations going on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're right. Like kind of uh, estranged parent child relationships. I know he's got some young kids himself. I wonder what it's saying about his relationship with his parents. If this is the permeating theme in his work. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Or you know maybe that's just a a good dramatic thing to insert into a story. Um. I, I actually thought it was pretty good. I did not like his daughter's character design either. Um, just a little too, uh, like, virgin comics, uh, like, future of India sort of character design. Like the graphic uh, India just, comics, like the 18 Days ones? Yeah, yeah just just a, like a, an aesthetic that I don't super get down with. Um, it's like a low-tier dark horse or, like, you know sci-fi boom book which is what it was and i kind of thought yeah. it was an image book so i was like yeah it's like a kind of averaged it's like uh oh my god oh my god i've become this person who's like saying bad things about people's art that's not what i want to do but it's <laughs> it's in the it's in the vein of david rubin but without a Less lot of detail. the kind of like flashy detail and stylized nature that rubin could bring to a comic i think i liked it a lot more than you what, what did you give it uh 6.64 I would have rather read Deathgasm is what that number tells me. Yeah, barely. Yeah, 0.02. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I thought um, I really enjoyed the part where he's hired early on to train AI. 
Yeah, and then we have the, the time jump that's not really labeled as how much time goes by and stuff. You just have to look at his hair and how he's got uh well, he's got a Richard's big stashy now. He's got a big old stashy yeah. and Richie he's got Richie Grays. He's got a big old stasher and Richie Grays on the side. I think it's a pretty good transition from like what, like thirty year old dude to sixty year old dude. I would have loved some more indication of how much time has passed not necessarily yeah. for the character's development but i'm more interested in like what the rate of technological development that they're implying with the development yeah. of this specific robot to where we get to where they've kind of inherited the earth and have become these gods i'm interested yeah. in, and most interested in that progression mm -hmm. and and i would have liked to have known that information then i'm going to give it a 7.50 and thank uh, you for saying that to the hundredth instead of the way you said it last time which was seven and a half well, that, that's infinite. That was 7.5000000000000000. I got around, motherfucker. Yeah, but if it's a definitive number, it doesn't. Seven and a third. Still a defined, like a discrete number. Oh, seven and a third. Sorry, I was thinking I was thinking three quarters. Hey, man. Hey, man. Sorry, we're late in the podcast for fraction discussion. I think that it's, I think it's going to be really interesting how, um, we're getting some AI comics right now. A lot of them. And AI has been in the news a lot in the last three weeks. Yeah, or a month, or two years. Not to the extent that it has yeah, been no, right. very like last, recently, like, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, I think AI legitimately just leveled up in the last few weeks. And these comics are very, very topical. But it had also to have been started were a while much, ago. Yeah, they were much more speculative when they were mm -hmm. uh, conceived of. So, um, I, I I like that I, I I don't know that I like it, but I, I think it's interesting when we get something that is so topical and we know just from the way the industry works that it took a long time to get into our hands. Right. Was, you know, there were a few things during the pandemic that I was like, wow, this is this is creepy how on the nose it is for our situation. But of course, you know, that was a book that was very near and dear to their heart and they've been working on it since they were nine or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you and I have never stopped talking about how coincidental uh, the release of Tools Fear Inoculum in August of that year mm -hmm. coincided so perfectly with the actual pandemic because there's all these, you know, statements about, you know, inoculation and yep. fear and unity and all, the whole album has kind of got all this COVID thing going for it. So synchronicity, man. And I'm not talking about the police song. <laughs> <laughs> Django, uh, if you want to be a listener... You can listen to the podcast, and we would love if you did that. If you no, want to be a listener you. that maybe occasionally gets called randomly at like 845 at night <laughs> by the podcast, uh, let us know. Give us your phone number. We'll yep. probably do it. Or you can write us emails, which is what Will usually does. And when he doesn't, we shame him publicly by calling him in the middle of his private life. Mm -hmm. uh, so thank you for being a good sport, Will. If you want to send us emails, you can do it to jeff at thecomicsplace.com. The comics, plural, place.com. Yep um Django anything anything on your mind before we get out of here and don't I think we've started this 2023 happy Christmas to everybody pleasant new yep. years as well all this song uh here we are um uh, I think we've turned over a new leaf so Django do you want to anything you want to talk about that doesn't involve a stupid question you're coming up with on the spot oh I don't come up with anything on the spot everything I do is very calculated and planned yeah, ahead. Yeah. yeah that's why you're so dangerous to be around because it makes me feel small because I know that you've already <laughs> calculated all of my actions and judgments and responses. Yeah, every every possible permutation of what you could say or think of me. Or to bring it back to the police, every move I make. Ew. 
Uh, I got nothing really specific. Just uh, bear with us while we wait for our gosh darn Marvel comics to show up. Uh, yeah, sorry. Should be Thanks, real guys. soon. And uh, from what we're being told, we're going to get them all, except for one that nobody else is really subscribed to. So uh, never fear, your comics will be here. That's kind of a Green Lantern sort of rhyme joke that I've been I hope that it comes in on like a different day and we get to have a second Tuesday that week where we do all Marvel. That sounds fun to me. From from tracking numbers, Jeff, I think that our second Tuesday is going to be our first Wednesday. Cool. So we should uh, which double staff for our Wednesdays so nice. that we can be upstairs doing Wednesday stuff while they're doing, doing four Wednesdays or four Tuesdays on a Wednesday, which, listen, they don't work at a comic store. They've got no idea that what that means is like, it's like barfing while you're shitting and shitting while you're barfing. And staring at Nancy Reagan's ass. Mm-hmm. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for 270. No, it's 298. 298? Holy cow. We're almost there. We got to talk about 300. Yeah, I'm Django, and uh, now Jeff and I are going to talk about 300. Frank Miller's best work. Mm-hmm. Wait, what about year one? Um, um, I was going to try and tie it into Tangled Up in Blue, but I can't do anything about mm. 300 and Tangled Up in Blue. See you next week. <laughs>